Welcome back to Radio Life Ray. My name is Olaf Koch, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 34 of Radio Life Ray. A recording done at the DEFCON 2013 in Berlin. Um, I spoke to Ray Auger and Miguel Pastor about modularization and OSGI, um, as you will soon hear. Now that the symposium season is almost over, uh, just be aware, in case you are in the UK or in Italy, there are two events left for you. Uh, 7th of November, Life Portal Solutions Forum, the business side of this event or of these events, um, November 7th in London and November 15th in Florence, Italy. There's an Italian symposium, a single day event, and we'd like to welcome you there in case you are in that region. So without further ado, let's go into the recording, into the conversation with Ray and Miguel. Okay, in a noisy environment, um, here at DEF CON 2013, uh, we're in Berlin, and uh, with me are Miguel Pastor and uh, Ray Auger. Hi. Hi. Hello. So I hope you enjoy the time here. Yeah. Um, we're doing this recording uh, for the listeners uh, we're doing this recording in the break area uh, where the lunch is being prepared um, so I hope that this recording comes out well um, listenable um, so we'll try to do the best in post-production to keep the noise low <laughs> um, but sorry for that uh, the lunch promises to be quite tasty <laughs> well let's start with you guys um, I guess you know why you're here. The listeners, probably not yet. Um, so who of you would like to start? Why have I asked you to come? Uh, okay, so I'm Raymond Oje, as uh, Olaf mentioned. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I'm here today to talk about, uh, or I came to the conference to basically talk to the community about, you know, their problems and their wishes and uh, OSGI and security and all that jazz. And it, it's turning out to be a good event so far. Yeah. Miguel? I'm, I'm Miguel Pastor, and I'm here for the same reason. I mean, I'm here trying to explain all the work we have done in the modularity stuff, trying to get the library platform to the, to the next level. Okay, so the modularity stuff... Um Basically, Ray mentioned the key vocabulary there, um, the four letters. Um, that's OSGI. Yeah, I yeah. think it's in one of the common misconceptions. I mean, it's not about OSGI, it's about modularity. I mean, our main goal is to decrease the size of library, trying to become it more modular, mm -hmm. more maintainable, easier to extend. But it's not because of EI. I mean, OSGI mm -hmm. is only the vehicle to achieve our goal, that is modularity. It's not, it's not OSGI because OSGI. I mean, if tomorrow there is a new technology that it's much more better than OSGI, maybe we can switch. But I thought OSGI is the magic bullet. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it's a really good platform. We really love it, but I don't think it's a silver bullet. Yeah, it's it's as Miguel said. It's it's really about the journey and less about the vehicle you're taking the journey in. Uh, so currently, OS currently. Uh, there is really no alternative to OSGI, yeah. so uh, it's not because OSGI is is, is the be-all end-all. Modularity is the be-all end-all, and I think that's the end game. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we'll we'll we're satisfied with what OSGI has for us right now. Yeah. It, it it provides probably far more functionality than we will ultimately ever use. But the beauty of it 
is that it is itself modular, and so we can pick and choose the pieces of it that we're interested in mm-hmm. and apply those, and uh, that will move us along the path towards modularity now as opposed to waiting for something else to come along, right? So, and, and, and I think in the end, once you're modular, the, yeah. the, the implementation is irrelevant, yeah. you know? It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. So... Can you give us a short overview, like OSGI for the naive developer? Um, it solves the modularity problem, yes. How does it do that? Uh, how did you find it? How did you find it relevant? Uh, because the first things I've seen it in uh, were like desktop stuff. There was Eclipse, um, for example, I'm the main proponent, so to say. If there is something shining for OSGI, some, some shining example, then that's Eclipse. Um, I think <laughs> it's the most popular one, the most visible one, I think. And there's probably many more things uh, yeah, that, that are running I think on the so. Maybe on they OSGI. are not so popular as Eclipse, but I mean, the OSGI stuff started like maybe 11, 10 years ago, like very focused on, on embedded mm-hmm. uh, hardware, but it has gained a lot of popularity in the last years. And many of the application servers are built on top of OSGI. Yeah, like. Uh, Sorry, GlassFish, WebSphere, uh, even J- WebLogic. Yeah, even WebLogic. Uh, mm-hmm. JBoss has implemented like a very subset of OSGI just to try to become the fastest startup application server. So I think for people writing kind of middleware, just to say that, I think it's a very good solution. I mean, I think that library is really like middleware. I mean, because it's like an open platform where you can write new applications on top of that. So we are not really an application, like, but a, a little bit at a lower level. So I think this, this is a very good solution for this kind of software. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for all kinds of software, but in particular for this middleware software. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I exactly. Know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. so what's the story of OSGI coming into um, into life? I remember some posting, Ray, that you did more than a year, way more than a year ago, uh, where you said, hey, wouldn't it be a good idea um, to bring OSGI into life? Ray? And by the way, I've tried it and it works. Um, and I was even pre-6.1, but I didn't get into 6.1. Um, it's now in 6.2. Um, it's how- actually still buried in 6.1. And, and if you're really... Uh, like digging into life resource, you can actually get OSGI running and working in 6.1, uh, although the integration is limited with, yeah. with life race. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's really the, the, the key aspect of, of uh, what we had to achieve or what we had to do to, to get OSGI in 6.2 was really that a little bit more tighter integration. And there's a lot more we still need to do. Um, to make it, you know, to bring it to where we really want it to be. Um, but how did we, how did we kind of get to this point? Well, how did, like, how, how did it come about that we wanted to use, or that I said wanted to investigate OSGI, I guess, is that uh, just all of the problems that I had seen in our company, in our community, in our product were, had already been felt uh, in other communities and in other products, and um, they had managed to get over this this problem, you know. Um, and how had they done it? What were they doing? 
And in by far most cases, they had already implemented OSGI. So that became, you know, interesting. And then at the time, I did actually look for alternatives. You know, is OSGI the option we want to try? You know, what are the compar- competing technologies? And there really was no competing technology. And uh, when digging further into OSGI itself, um, it really wasn't that hard to, to implement. And so uh, prototyping, you know, doing the initial prototypes was uh, a very simple uh, process. Uh, it was initially a little bit complicated to wrap your head around because it's a new paradigm for, you know, for how, uh, for how modules, code modules kind of interplay with each other. And, and I think that's, uh, the beauty of why OSGI kind of, uh, wins or, or helps to solve the problem. First of all, is by having clear definitions for, all of its uh, subsystems, all of its components that exist yeah. inside OSGI, everything is well-defined. Because things are well-defined, there's clarity. Uh, there's a clear picture of what you need to, to do in order to achieve your goals. And that eliminates a whole class of problems where, you know, it's not just, you know, a class path with hundreds of jars on it and arbitrarily arbitrary problems that arise from just having a huge amount of a huge class space right yep so really it's about clarity clearing up boundaries between sets of functionality focused uh sets of source code into modules and and when you have that kind of focus when you have that kind of narrow view of anything that piece becomes more clear that piece becomes more obvious and and by having clarity uh, you have a much better understanding and when you have a better understanding you will you kind of respect that code a little bit more and you can properly document it because it has a you know a boundary that's understandable so you can document it you can test it well much more easily than you can test you know an arbitrarily huge class space right Mm -hmm. which is a really huge problem for us because right now, even though we want to create, you know, it's a, it's a goal of ours to create lots of tests so that we have, you know, very high code coverage. It's still very hard to understand our, our infrastructure. Uh, it's hard to understand the, the, the boundaries of what's the edge of this feature and where does it start to become the next, you know, the, this other feature. Mm-hmm. By modularizing it, those problems kind of just kind of fade away. Yeah, it's everything about the coupling. I mean, it's everything like yep, absolutely. let's split all this stuff and let's put clear interfaces, clear APIs between them, and just communicate through these clear APIs. It's, it's just yep. about the coupling. It's but, yeah, it's about removing the spaghetti. Yeah. You know? nice. <clears throat> yeah, that um, comes back to one of the questions that yesterday I've discussed with one of the visitors here, um, which is uh, testing code that interfaces with LifeRay. Um, typically, you need quite a big routine to set up your test, and then you do a little bit of test, and you need quite a lot to tear down. Um, and I personally refuse to call that unit test. Um, so anything that 
takes longer than 10 milliseconds uh, must not be called a unit test, is my personal opinion. Um, so um, unfortunately, uh, without proper modularization, there's no way of guaranteeing that, hey, there's no boundary. So um, speaking of modularization, how far are we in modularization? So we now have OSGI. Is LifeRay one OSGI bundle and then you can interface with many other OSGI bundles? Um, or is LifeRay now made of 200 um, bundles and already fully modular? And which I, ones can I pick? I think right now we are like... 5% done, maybe 10%. Yeah, I, I, maybe I, I, I'd probably even go further than that and say less than 1% yeah, done because I mean. really, <clears throat> and this is an interesting story, and uh, I think the purest OSGI uh, uh, developer or expert will probably look at what we've done and say, what are you guys doing? <laughs> the reason is that... Uh, Liferay has a legacy heritage of yeah. being a web application sure. itself. Yeah. And because it's a web application itself, its runtime is uh, a slew of other app servers. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's, a, there's a goal in mind with Liferay that we want to run on a, any app server. By running on any app server, we're bound to uh, the behaviors of... Uh, the web application specifications like the servlet spec and so on. And so we have, you know, uh, less control over the life cycle of our own existence of the application. Uh, that's in the hands of the app server. Um, app servers have a variety of implementations, you know, version support for the different uh, specifications that they run. So we are running on fairly old, uh, versions of the servlet spec and, 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 and JSP and JSTL and all of those um, basic Java EE uh, specifications that we need to run as a web application while maintaining compatibility with all the app servers. So we can't guarantee that the app server's modularity, even if it's an OSGI container, is going to be reliable enough to have the feature set that we need. The second part of the story is is while remaining a web application, we have our own plugin. We have our own need to maintain a plugin system. Mm -hmm. We have a need to maintain our own modularity. So while we're a web application, how do we then uh, avoid depending on the app server for providing us with uh, our own module system? Well, that kind of leaves us no choice. We we can't just rebuild Liferay to be like a standard OSGI application where we exist inside of a runtime and rely on an internal uh, uh, um, app server that's inside the runtime and then bundles uh, uh, exist, coexist around us. Mm -hmm. That's That would be a traumatic yeah. uh, uh, conversion of our product to something completely new. And, you know, it would like traumatize our, our existing user base yeah. like, severely. So, and it literally would be a version X, you know, it would be something completely incompatible with what we have. So while having the legacy that we have, the only real option is to embed. And yeah. so take control of a framework. And, and that's kind of where we ended up. We, we now have an embedded container that life is fully, under uh, uh, fully the controller, controller of, yeah. and 
um, that gives us control of the life cycle of our plugins, which we've never had to date. And by having full control of the life cycle of our own plugins, it's tremendously more powerful to what we can do with those plugins. Yeah, mm -hmm. and having full control of the life cycle sorry of the life cycle of the plugins means that the application server does know anything about these applications. So when you deploy a new LiveRay OSGI plugin inside the running container, the OSGI mm -hmm. container, the app server doesn't notice anything about this application. So this life cycle is up to us. So we are completely dependent on the application server. That is our very good news. If you yeah. go through our source code and see all the source code related to, okay, if this is WebSphere, if this is WebLogic, if this is JBoss, do that, do that, do that. This is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's very hard to maintain, very hard to evolve. Yeah, very buggy. Yeah, it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and I really then because of this, we had to evolve our own uh, sub feature set like uh, dependency management and deploy management. Yeah, and it's all while we want to to uh, have quality <clears throat> features in these areas, uh, we're nowhere near the maturity level in those areas that OSGI is. So um, when when we fully embrace OSGI. <clears throat> Like Miguel said, all of that deployment and dependency mechanisms that we've built but that are less than mature um, will be replaced with subsystems that are tried and true over the last 10 years by very large vendors mm -hmm. and, and it's proven and known to work and it's reliable and, and we don't even have to implement the code nor do we have to maintain it. It's, it's something that's well understood, well documented and very well tested. So uh, it eliminates a huge amount of overhead for us to evolve into other features and to go back into building the parts of LifeRay that yeah. we really should be focusing on as opposed to reinventing the wheel with all yeah. these subsystem operations, you know? Yeah. So, so what does that do to hooks and ext, for example? If we <laughs> if I have my way, <laughs> ext will be... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a thing of the past. Uh -huh. um, the extensibility of our portal has always been something that uh, developers love. Unfortunately, it's very easy to fall into a trap where um, you r have to resort to the X mechanism. And if you're if you're a listener and you're not a sure what X is, is basically uh, a way to implement re-implement the internal feature set of LifeRay well, arbitrarily. Like, yeah. Right. And so, so uh, that's wait, wait, wait a second. So, uh, okay. <laughs> vi visitors to my past developer trainings, please listen up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when it, whenever you end up having to resort to X because you know the the internal APIs are not pluggable enough or or, or for whatever reason, um, it's in almost invariably a source of uh, headache that will persist for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of my goals is to completely eliminate the need for EXT, period. That may mean uh, re-architecting APIs inside the portal so that those components, which you would want to hook into, are actually hookable. So, or it, And it doesn't necessarily mean we have to go through a tremendous re redesign. It's just... It's because of a lot of the class loading struggles yeah. we have. We have to use uh, tricks, class loader tricks, and and 
and hacks to kind of expose functionality in order for mm-hmm. things like hooks and uh, other plugins to to be able to adapt the portal. If we were had if we had been more modular or if we were more modular to begin with, and those subsystems were clearly intelligent and well-defined, yeah. you know, subcomponents and modules, it would actually be almost trivial yeah. to re-implement or replace those implementations without mm-hmm. having to resort with, you know, code overriding or, or whatnot, yeah. you know? Yeah, and one of the things we are getting almost for free is mechanism for extending plugins. I mean, for plugins, extending plugins, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. I mean, so I can write a plugin and I can write a hook or an extension for this plugin. So this is something we don't have right now. I mean, you yeah. can achieve that, but yeah. in a very hard way. So this yeah, is something... It's a bit round. Yeah, it's like... It's a roundabout round, way. Yeah. It's basically... Uh, right now it's almost for free. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just did it yesterday in my presentation. I mean, extending mm-hmm. a plugin. So this is, this is almost for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coming back to the past listeners, or no, past visitors of my developer trainings, um, actually for everybody else, um, one of the messages that I give in developer training is that you typically do not want to use EXT or EXT. Um, you, might, uh, you might need to use it, but do you want to use it? No, rather not. Um, reason is we change our implementation. It's our business to change our implementation. Yeah, and if you do exactly. so as well, we don't care yeah. um, if there is any conflict. It's you who has to take yeah. care of the conflict. I think it should be prohibited using yeah. X. Yeah. Well, it's probably okay. I mean, if you want to shoot yourself into the foot, you can shoot yourself yeah. into the foot. If you need to shoot yourself into the foot because you need to tie something to it, yeah. then, okay, uh, so well, go, go ahead. dig, dig a hole in your body. There's people yeah. that, that actually like digging holes in their bodies, uh, probably <laughs> not shooting, but um, there's many people with holes. Yeah. Um, so some are, legi- uh, some are legitimate holes. You want them, and everything is nice after that. So you can even... Have jewels on them. Yeah. Um, so, so. And, uh, I think another, we haven't talked about it yet, but a, another kind of a benefit is that uh, the more that we've been adding a set of functionality to. for developers to use LifeRay, the more it's proprietary to LifeRay. We, we haven't traditionally followed... Uh, 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 design patterns that are industry widely accepted as mm-hmm. best practices or, or or not necessarily even best practices but favored practices yeah. you know um so it feels like when you're developing with liferay you're in an alien world even though you might already be a seasoned java developer when you come to our ecosystem you might see something you like but really getting involved with the development is is an alien kind of paradigm you know you you have to relearn a a whole new set of 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 design styles Mm -hmm. and uh, that is a detriment to our community it means that uh, it's hard to bring past knowledge although unless it's like just really low level the java se knowledge or java ee knowledge you know foundation mm-hmm. but all of the extra knowledge that you gain from from using new newer frameworks or, or newer design paradigms you know modern uh, development techniques it's kind of lost when you come to the liferay world because liferay for lack of a better word has some fairly archaic design patterns yeah. and so it's a detriment to our community because it seems to be less 
innovative from a developer perspective. Mm-hmm. So by using a more industry standard and, and not even industry standard, there's a lot of people who hate OSGI, but while you may hate OSGI, the sheer fact that it's a modular system means that you can more quickly adapt it and, and change feature sets without, you know, you, you, uh, without having to uh, deeply relearn some new system that you're not familiar with, right? Yeah, yeah um, the, the main point for people hating OCI, I mean, I know a lot of people who already hate OCI, but the main argument is, okay, this is very complex. I mean, this, is, this argument is no longer valid. I mean, I can buy this argument maybe 10 years ago, but right now there are plenty of tools for writing OCI applications. I mean, I don't think writing OCI-based applications is more difficult than writing Spring applications or maybe Ruby on Rails applications. It's exactly the same. I mean, they have right now tons of tooling, tons of documentation where you can learn to... I mean, it's like... Of course, it has a learning curve, but Spring has a learning curve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ruby on Rails has a learning curve. At least it has a real re- uh, language issues, reusable language curve. So you can reuse it in many different contexts because it's all the same. So yeah. if you know how yeah, to write so Liferay plugins, you can reuse that in Liferay context. If you yeah, so I think this, I mean, this, for me at least, this argument is no longer valid. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's too difficult. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. It's too complex. I don't think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, well, so far, um, I'm about to say thanks, but not without asking if we have missed anything. We probably have missed something, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure I we have. Wouldn't There's want so to miss something important. Yeah, I mean, there is too much, sorry, too much stuff related to that. I think one of the things we haven't mentioned is that one of our main goals is if we're splitting smaller components and try to decouple everything, mm-hmm. okay, we will be getting less bugs because right now when you touch something in the portal and you touch something I don't know let's suppose in the document library and you are broken something in the forums and this is completely weird because they, they are not even related but maybe at some point they are using some obscure stuff because it's invoking some internal API but this is completely broken because you are touching something in the document library and you're breaking something just at the opposite side of the portal and it doesn't make sense so it's extremely hard for people who is new mm-hmm. trying to contribute library because they don't know what they are doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm changing a very line of code and I'm breaking the half of the portal. I think this is something we need to fix at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, feature creep is by far the most, the, the, the biggest problem that we have in our source code base, which is, you know, uh, and I don't mean feature creep as in we're continuously adding new features. I guess, I don't know what the term would probably be bleed. Like bleed, mm-hmm. uh, features bleed into each other, and uh, it's it's literally you have um, internal dependencies, uh, obscure dependencies across feature sets that is totally weird. Um, you know, you will have a class which is clearly defined by name to be about one thing and has a reference to some arbitrarily obscure, unrelated feature. And, yeah. and that's just clearly wrong. Mm-hmm. Because a method is uh, has similar uh, 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 functionality in one feature and then 
uh, trying to adapt that method to be used in another feature just to avoid duplicating code. Mm-hmm. And but adding, you know, uh, uh, business logic to, to kind of detect these two different uh, patterns. And that that's just the wrong design approach. You, you don't do that. Um, it, to create the interdependency this way to just for the sake of uh, not repeating a couple of lines of code is, is, is a completely wrong design pattern. Mm-hmm. And, and, but we do it continuously for, you know, based on the premise that you, you shouldn't repeat yourself. If you have something similar, you should reuse it. And, and that, that, that's true t- to a degree, but you can't make it an edict that, that it can't work over the long term and it can't work over a huge set of features. I, just yesterday, I've learned about a nice example for that. Because um, when you download an app from the marketplace within LifeRay, then, well, LifeRay downloads it for you and then you can install it from LifeRay. Guess where that's coupled to? That's the maximum upload size for documents in the document library. So if you have a really huge app, you must tune your document library to be able to upload that really huge app to the document library because that's the API that is used. Yep. Um, So I think that's a very good example for uh, what you referred to. Some component in a different part of the portal is being utilized to implement something completely different. So here we have a cross-dependency of marketplace on document library. Yeah. Yeah. So we are changing a small stuff in document library and you are breaking the marketplace. Yes. (laughs) It's completely weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is our main goal. Just trying to avoid this interdependencies i think that nails it just in time for lunch to be ready so now would be the time to restart the whole recording um because all of the um clashing of plates and glasses and uh, has gone and um there's only food there (laughs) well i hope that the recording comes out good um so thanks a lot for being available and enjoy the rest of the conference thanks thank you very much for having us here And back again. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. In case you did, I'd like to motivate you to go to the podcast directory of your choice. That might be iTunes. It might just be liferate.com slash radio. Every episode has a method or a way to comment on it. iTunes has a way to rate and various other podcast directories have as well. And I'd actually like to hear what you think of this podcast, how to improve it. Um, and uh, what already went well. Okay, short lookout to the next episodes. I have a few more episodes that have been recorded at DEF CON and also at the Spanish Symposium. And I'm recruiting new uh, partners, new conversation partners as we go. Uh, so expect some new episodes during the next weeks. The only thing that stands between the only thing that stands between you and the next episode, or actually between me and the next episode, is the little bit of time that I need to post-produce every episode um, to basically um, adjust levels, though our phonic is a quite good help there, and to basically cut the material. So stay tuned. Uh, if you want to know who is up on the next episodes, then uh, be aware that there is a Google Plus community where you can find announcements for upcoming recordings as well as uh, an opportunity for you to um, just demand certain new episodes or next episodes. So you can actually just suggest uh, conversation partners. Okay, with that, uh, thank you for listening to Radio Life Ray, and um, off we go.